What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. I'm here with Tony and Mo. How are you guys doing? What's up, right. man? How are you? And we have a special guest in the building, the one and only B-Funk. Hey. Hey. What's up? We've been trying to do this for a while, man. We've been yeah. talking probably probably close to a year about bringing you on, and we just couldn't well, line up since, the time. I know definitely since Numberfest, yeah. when I first That's met you and told yep. you need to come on the show. Yeah, yeah so uh, maybe just kind of introduce yourself to the audience and tell us who B-Funk is and what you like to do as a DJ. Uh, yeah, sure. So... Um, I'm a DJ. I'm based out of Athens, Ohio. Um, what do I like to do DJ-wise? Uh, I'm a mobile DJ probably majority of the time, but I, um, I do love you know, open format. So I do a lot of parties. Uh, so Athens, Ohio uh, is home to Ohio University, which is the number one party school in the nation for decades. We've kind of fallen off since then. But uh, you know, I do a lot of parties down there. Um, you yeah, have a big really uh, you have a big event you do every year down there. Don't yeah, you? so we we have yeah it's like, <laughs> we have uh, the block party. Uh, it's been going on forty six years. Um, I've been in charge of one of the stages for the last eight years, um, and so I, I DJ'd that. Actually, this this was the first year I didn't DJ that because we didn't have funding for that DJ stage. But uh, but yeah, we get about twenty thousand people with that, and it's been um, it's been awesome. You know, it's probably one of my favorite gigs. You know, just playing in front of my hometown and mm. you know playing the music I want and people still re- responding to it or whatever. Who funds that? Uh, it's all private funding. So, you know, sponsorships, uh, I find corporate sponsors. So we had four loco, uh, (laughs) we we don't sell anything on the street, you know, it's not open container, but, uh, four loco sponsored it. That's kind of the, the genesis of me getting the stage. So we had two stages, uh, which was always rock and roll. And so I, you know, was was the first DJ to actually DJ the block party, you Mm. know? So we, we always, you know, I, growing up, I went to the block party just to see, naked girls and stuff like that, you know, like, but uh, I always was like, it'd be really cool to like DJ uh, on that stage and, you know, but they didn't have DJs. And then uh, I did a party called uh, Dave Rave, which was like EDM. Oh, yeah, yeah. You might have heard of that. It's it started, I think, in like 07, 08. But anyway, we're doing like a lot of like uh, house or you know, house music and whatnot. And so that notoriety kind of got us onto the stage. And mm. so I got to DJ there. And then we did that two years. And the second year, I still remember the email, um, our uh, contacted Budweiser was like, Hey, you know, like I've got this person from Four Loco. Like, I don't know what to do with them. Maybe you do. And I'm like, yeah, sure. We'll figure it out. So we had him come to our party and I was like, Hey, you know, like we don't want you in there. He's like, we want to be at Halloween. I was like, well, we want you at Halloween. Yeah. And so they, they put up like something like $15,000 for a stage. And so we got full production. I mean, you guys are pricing the pictures, like a full stage, you know, mm-hmm. SL 100. And you know, they said, you do the lineup. And it, it's been a, a godsend because all the DJs that are on that stage would never get to do that. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're opening, um, you're, you're playing an opening set. So you're, you're playing for somebody else. This is 30 minutes, do whatever you want, you know, bring all your friends. So people are going from seven o'clock on as, as hard as they want, you know, and the, the crowd is just like, yep, this is awesome. So mm-hmm. that, that's been probably one of my most exciting things I've done. I'd probably say. So, so the, the name B funk, does that like funk music? Is that where that name comes from? Um, <laughs> not really. No. So, uh, I've had some really bad DJ names. I was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got so yeah. You've got your multiple I've gone. I've gone through the okay. genesis. Yeah. So Start when I from the beginning. Yeah. When I first started, uh, I had a radio show on AM, and it was the Beat Pharmacy. And so my dad's a doctor, and I was like, I'm DJ Doctor Thompson, because which is I don't know what a Beat Pharmacy. I just thought it was funny, and that's a really long, stupid name. So then. People used to call me Disco because in college I had an afro as well. And, um, and recently I started growing my afro out, but for like the last... Recently? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, from like 02 to like, you know, two years ago, I had like short hair. But anyway, mm. um, people called me Disco and, 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 and a lot of people called me B. And so my, 
my friend Aaron, uh, Aaron Thomas, who goes by A Rock, he's like kind of, I'd probably say mentor, best friend, DJ Wise or whatever. He, you know, I was like, A Rock, you know, I'll just be B Funk. Yeah, that makes sense, you know, like, because I was lazy and I just kind of, it kind of, <laughs> honestly, and it just stuck. And then people are like, oh, what's up, B Funk? And it just kind of sounded good. And, oh, that's my, <laughs> that, Mike, Mike Jones laughing at me. Uh, that kind of creeped yeah, me out for a second. Who's <laughs> laughing at the story? <laughs> like, we have an audience uh, here. Oh, yeah. Um, so that that uh, it just kind of stuck, you know. After that, it, it was short, and and you know, it's kind of like when you hear somebody else say your name without you telling them, you know, mm-hmm. it, it just yeah. feels right if that makes sense, you yeah, know. And right. I just went with that. So, awesome. um, so yeah, I mean, and I, I always did love funk and disco and whatnot. So you know, it wasn't too far off. You know, electronic music is probably my favorite, but I listen to everything. So, so w- w- when you're doing what you want to do as a DJ, what are you playing? Like if you had your, like your pick and, and everybody was into it, uh, what are you playing? I, I would pro- – well, if I really could do what I wanted to do and it made sense, I would do some sort of fusion of like probably house, house and some bass music and like open format like hip-hop and like disco and stuff like that. You know, like okay. I really – I just in, enjoy so much music, like dance music, basically four on the floor type stuff, you know, mm-hmm. so more disco or whatnot. But I would just go in between like the Marvin Gaye and then like, you know, classic house and whatnot. But so you know, like a variety in there. Yeah. Yeah. You That's know, cool. I, I do a show um, in Athens right now called Trust Me, which is basically that. Mm. I just you, you know, take it for an adventure. huh? Yeah. You know, well, the, nice. the idea is, is, you know, I've I've done, you know, this, I've been DJing for well, DJing for over 20 years. And so I've seen a lot of parties and whatnot and done a lot of different things. And so I just feel like. You know, you just try at this point, like, this is for me, you know. And my feeling is, like, you know, you, you go to a night, it's an 80s night, or it's 90s, or disco, or house, or, or you know, like, you're expecting that genre, you mm-hmm. know. Or, yeah. like, I felt like open format has turned into, I think I posted on the page, like, open format clubs are really like hip hop with like crappy EDM, like, tools mixed mm-hmm. in. You know, it's, it's all the same, and it's not really like that, that real open format, like the 80s, you know, when we. Had the, we didn't have the technology, so we just played music. You know, well, like, whatever we had in front of exactly, us. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you had Depeche Mode. Then you would like, yeah. I, you know, then you drop into like, you know, uh, maybe Springsteen or whatever, or just drop into like you know, some other hip hop. And so, um, I really want to bring that back because I, you know, I, I resonate with a lot of different genres, and they don't make sense. You know, like when I first started doing electronic music, I was like, dubstep sucks. It's is you know, and then I I saw Skrillex in concert, and I was like. Holy shit, like this is like, I get it, you know, and, and mm. I'm not like a huge dubstep person, but like, I get some of the bass music. And so, sure. same with the drum and bass. And so, I, I, there's always something good in a lot of the genres. And I want to play all that out. You know, I want to play the best of all those genres so the people in the crowd are like, you know, oh my God, he played a drum and bass song. Like, oh, this is my shit. You know, you know, those mm-hmm. people who like hear a drum and bass song at like a dubstep show, they just come flock into the floor, you know, and then they sit back down <laughs> after the song's <laughs> over, you know. But so, that's what I kind of want to do with the show. And, and it's, it's had mixed results. Sometimes, uh, you know, the crowd's all about it. Sometimes, you know, I'll do like the the David Bowie type stuff, and then like when I you know transition out of it, they just stop. You know, some people are about it. You know, but in my mind, I just see this like you know kind of disco kind of era. You know, where the music is just like a one fifteen to one twenty five, and I'm just like playing around in all genres or whatever. You know, yeah. So, so you're from or you live in Athens, yeah. Athens, Ohio, I yep. should say. About how long of a drive was it? Uh, it's two and a half hours. Two and a half yeah, hours. So we're, so a bit we're, of a haul. Yeah, you guys are what, southwest? We're southeast. It's, yeah. it's literally west across, I think. And so, there's no straight line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to go just up weird, and then come back It's kind of like there, and it, it's, we're all in this no man's land area. So, so what's your experience like? That, w- would you say that be, being a DJ in Athens is 
easy or difficult because you've got OU, mm-hmm. but then we, we talked a little bit, you know, pre-show about um, kind of you don't really have a, a nightclub yeah. to kind of go settle into or anything like that. So what's your experience like DJing um, in that city? So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean the, your first question, you know, is, is it, you know, help? It, it's, it's kind of both, you know, so being a small market, uh, we only have three dedicated music venues that are you know strong enough we'll see actually two now so we have the union where you know you've played before um and then we had jackie o's which was next door but they took away their stage and their music and so we don't have that and then there's costa so i, I dj at both those venues and those are rock and roll venues you know live music you know mm-hmm. so they're set up for for shows they're not clubs you know okay. yeah. so they, they've got good sound but you know it's not they don't have any lighting well excuse me casa has just got lighting this past year but before it was just you know you brought everything in and so but it's not like someplace you could have a show every thursday yeah you know it's not like mask you know where you you guys where you guys do your shows where there's already something set up and you mm-hmm. just plug and play like you need to bring in what's, what's going to be at the show or whatever and so um in that respect, there's there's not as much to go around, so there's not as much competition, you know, like in in Dayton and in Columbus and all these larger markets, you know, you have tons of people want to be DJs, you know, and so they and they all want to get to these clubs and play on these shows and they have spots. And in Athens, we have a lot of bars, um, and so and the only bars that have dancing are the, yeah, the pigskin. Pigskin. Yeah, yeah, you've been DJ Rick Webb. Exactly. Good friend. Yeah, you know, he's down in, in North Carolina. He he and he turned that he's, club night. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he made that. Yeah, yeah. and so I remember made that, wa- yeah. watching the growth of that on his YouTube channel. So, so it's pretty cool. I told Rick, I was like, don't do that. Like I, I, I used to, no, sorry, like I used to DJ at the Pigs on Wednesdays, and I moved to Thursdays, and it never. Became and I was like, you know what? You can throw all the money and energy, and I remember telling him like it's not going to work. And I remember talking to my friend Aaron, like it's not going to work. And then like a year later, we're texting. I was like, dude, Rick's. I like he invited me to do. Rick's got hundreds of people in there, yeah. you know, and he's getting paid like twice what I was getting paid and everything <laughs> like that. So you can do a lot of stuff, but it, it's difficult in that respect because you know there there isn't a club, and so you can't. You know, people in bars don't want to dance. If that makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. if you're in a club, okay. you expect yeah. to dance. In a, no, not in the a bar. other way around. Yeah, right. you know, in your bar, they're like, why? They, you know, and then they expect you to do what they want to hear, be like a, you know, a carrier or a, not carrier, a, a, a jukebox, you know. And so, um, so in that respect, you know, it's it's nice because there's not as so much competition, but there's also just not enough stuff to sustain, you know. So I do a show, I do the DJ showcase, which is uh, a chance mm. for people to yeah. come in and, you know, who, who bedroom DJs to play on a stage. You know, you guys all remember the first time we played on a, a setup that wasn't our home speakers. Like, whoa, like, this is loud. You know, yeah. like, I, I can feel <laughs> like, you know, the bass and everything. And it was an experience. And so I, I didn't have that, you know, uh, when I went to OU because there's only a few DJs. So I wanted to give that experience to them and, and get the DJs kind of, you know, connected. You know, people mm. can meet each other because, you know, people, you know, the Psytrance guys are together and then, you know, the, this uh, female DJ was met. This other female DJ know that she's not alone and stuff like that. And so we did that. But then what ends up happening is I have another show. And so out of those eight or ten DJs, well, I'm only going to need three people to play on the show. So in order to do that show, and then that's it for the semester. You know, and then there's no other show. So they don't really have any more to play. And they might be able to play Number Fest, but, you know, they only take one person, you know, a year. And that's usually like somebody, one per, you know, that's only one person then. That's it. You know, they, so they might go to Columbus and whatnot, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of opportunities to grow and do, you know, there's the fests. Um, but that's the same thing. A lot of, we have really big parties at OU and they're, um, they're great. You know, they're legendary, um, but not a lot of the people are dancing. They're, they're raging mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. getting crazy, but like, you know, a DJ playing an hour set and I'm just, you know, the girls dance and that's not really happening. It's just kind of like they shake their ass to Mobamba 
and that song ends, and then like you know, and they're playing they're beer pong or yeah, something. exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so and so sometimes you can get that right format, but like that's the problem with Athens is we're we're just kind of and the other thing about Athens is so there's not a, a lot of uh, young professionals. So what ends up happening is like I'm a, an anomaly. Like anybody who's over 25 that's still in Athens, you know, that doesn't work in university, like they don't go out, they don't do anything. Mm. So, you know, so like areas like this, you just have people who may not even gone to school and, and they DJ, you know, mm. they're, they're out there, you know, they, they're just working whatnot. And in Athens, that doesn't exist. You know, they, they're at OU and then they leave, you okay. know, and so there's not that carryover. So you have the people and then they leave. And so you don't have any of this continuation uh, until the now. The community yeah. doesn't grow. Exactly. Okay. You know, like, like you guys are here and you're helping everybody do this in Athens. You know, I'm there now. A Rock's there. Uh, Bardicus is there. So we are, we're three people who live there. Mm-hmm. You know, but before that, it was just continuous. You know, and then that's what we've been able to create. This people are like, oh wow, like I know B Funk. He does the showcase. You know, and so yeah. they they kind of know that I'm I'm there to help people and then keep things going if that makes sense. Okay. So one thing that we talked about in the the Facebook chat, and if I can just read a little snippet that you wrote here, uh, you said that. Uh, uh, the other part of your DJing, twenty uh, percent of your other gigs are your own passion shows, and you talked about the Trust Me Dance Party. Mm-hmm. Um, you said it's a no request B funk music jerk fest <laughs> for me, <laughs> and then I do two to three direct support slots for touring uh, acts. So tell us a little bit about that and how okay. you know does that help you scratch the itch of playing whatever you want? Then? Yeah, yeah. So I um uh I went full time DJing. Uh, let's see, it's it'll been four years. So six years ago. I just always had that itch. I'm like, I have to like see if I can be that person, you know, who who plays the shows, you know, because I've been to yeah. shows, I've supported, and I was like, you know, you always feel like yeah, if I did a little bit more here, or I did this, like I, I'm I'm as good as that person. And so I was like, I I talked to my my, my girlfriend at times, so my wife now, but um, it's like you know, I have to do this, and she understood. She's like, you know, I was already doing some gigs and whatnot, at some some weddings and whatnot, and. So I, I went and did it, and I was like, I'm going to learn to produce, and I'm going to do that stuff. So I, you know, I locked myself in. I was working on Ableton and produced some stuff, whatever. And you know, I found out I just didn't have the money to support myself. You know, I, I ran up a bunch of credit card debt, and you know, it was exciting. I, I, that's, I have music on my SoundCloud, and I'm proud of it. You know, and mm-hmm. I learned a lot. You know, I was working on Massive and you know, using uh, all this stuff, and it was it's amazing. You know, and I, I would never take it back. Because, but it stunk because I lived in Athens. You know, so I, I've got DJ friends who live in Columbus who are DJing weddings for charging twice as much as I am, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that Athens market is another thing. So we're Athens County is the poorest County in the state, like the hmm. medium, the medium. I didn't know that. Yeah. So the medium, medium. We, we go back between Athens and Vinton County. Uh, that was like our rally cry in high school. It's like, we're the poorest in the state, you know, like whatever, you know, <laughs> then, oh, man. but like the medium uh, for a family of three is like $18,000, you know, oh, wow. so, which is crazy, you know? And so, uh, and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, so there's Athens where I would have never, thought that yeah yeah exactly after visiting last mm-hmm. year yeah, yeah so, so i mean sure. like you're in athens and, and there's, there's the the venue and everything and so that area that's athens yeah you know, it's everything and then uh-huh. you drive five minutes in any direction and it's all like country and farm yeah. and everything like that and so it's you know and and people are poor you know and so um that, that's just the how it is and so you know for me to charge a wedding like i remember i've been looking at old emails i was like oh yeah i'll do your wedding for 50 dollars an hour and i thought i was making like a lot of money mm-hmm. you know and this is like it's five, six years ago. Now I'm like, that's insane, you know? And so right now, I'd probably say 60% of my weddings are outside of Athens. And I, I charge for that travel, and I do the same amount of, you know, I charge the same, but I charge for the travel. So I make more doing the same. And they're, they're telling me, like, oh, man, you're a deal. Because in, you know, Columbus, it'd be $1,500. And I'm charging nine fifty and thinking I'm getting, like, a bunch of money, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it, it's this weird dynamic. But anyway... Um, you know, I wasn't making enough to pay the bills. And so then I went back to work, but it, it felt good because then I found that, you know, 
the amount of money you get and how much fun is like this, if that makes sense. And so, like, mm-hmm. if it's fun, it's, like, free. You know, like, oh, yeah. hey, why don't you come to this? Tra- like, I'm doing a trance show next week at, at Dahlia. It's free, you know, but it's awesome. So I'm, yeah, like, I'm driving. I'm probably paying to go there, yeah. you know, but I'm, like, that's a passion for me or whatever. So I've, I found this balance now where I'm, you know, most of my work, 80% is, is weddings. You know, I really pushed into that. And then if I get a slot, like, I'm opening for Marcus Schultz, like, that's a passion for me you know like i can go and play mm-hmm. my music i'm a trance guy you know and sound so, familiar to yeah. team oh absolutely <laughs> yep you know and so it's it's in finding that balance and so and, and that's why i made the trust me thing i do that four times a year and that's when i can just be like okay we're doing you know because i love hip-hop you know mm-hmm. it, at the end of the day like i live in athens and it's a weird spot where we're like rock and roll country you know <laughs> and i like hip-hop and like electronic mm-hmm. you know but like you know so the, I, i've been exposed a lot of music and so i just want to kind of share that with everybody if that makes sense yeah you had said that athens has forever been known for bluegrass and hippie stuff yeah. we were the flyover city or we were the flyover for the flyover city for a flyover state for electronic music <laughs> yeah so <laughs> how, how did you even get did you grow up in athens or? yeah I, I was born and raised in athens and so how did you yeah, so actually that's, get that, into, that's what i want to know is like okay. how did you how did this yeah. land uh land? so yeah. yeah so i i have to my mom would be upset if I didn't say anything. About it. I'd have to give to my parents, you know. So mm-hmm. they, uh, like I was telling you earlier, my my dad was very much into music, um, in music uh, fidelity, if that makes sense, you know. So he he always had really good speakers. And he had this mm-hmm. he has this huge record collection. I remember we had to, like categorize it before like computer stuff, so it's all like written down <laughs> like yellow man. piece of paper or whatever. It's like <laughs> I think your dad and my dad might be related. Really? Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, you had like one A is like you know this, and, so, and it's all the way through. And then it, it went into laser discs and DVDs, and like, and it's still there. And I don't mm-hmm. even know if we ever looked at it, but you know, it was always there. But anyway, that's my dad too. Okay, yeah, yeah super he just, obsessed with the archiving <laughs> yeah, of it, even yep. if he never listens this, to this it. This was yeah. back before <laughs> sticky notes. He would cut out the piece of yellow yep. legal pad and, and tape it, yep, yeah. and just put it on there. And so yeah. we, we's got. We, I remember me and my brother would just went through and. Okay, is this one right? We read it down, and um, but anyway, so so he always presented music, uh, and the music was always around. Like he had these old, he still yeah. has it from college. It's in his bedroom. So there's music in the bedroom, and there's music downstairs. And the and so I always would hear music in the car. Whereas listening, and my mom, excuse me, both my parents are from Chicago, and so uh, they moved to New York, and then they're moving back to Chicago, but ended up staying in Athens for like a year. Or supposed to be for two years, and I was born, and my brother was born, and. You know, Forty years later, they're still, they're still there. there. You know, so but still my, on their way to Chicago. Yeah, they they love. You know, they they've always loved like that disco house, and so uh, I just remember listening in the car, like all this fun. You know, remember the song um, uh, "Love Come Down" by um, Evelyn? Didn't let love come down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like stuff like that would always be in the car. But I still remember my mom uh, would get Bad Boy Bill cassette tapes and what? she would like yeah no kidding right like, like and this For is real? like 1990 wow. this is you're gonna love this story so like i didn't know who he was i was like bad boy bill whatever you know i'm like 11 years old whatever and so <laughs> she's like oh, I mom was in that chicago yeah so she's all about it, you know so like <laughs> she went and she was like i need more of these so she called like bad boy bill's studio or something and like back then she, it probably had a phone that's number what I'm saying, yeah, had yeah. Number and like bought like you know the, the, you know he had like one every week or two what weeks or whatever 90s something i don't know yeah somewhere yeah. so he like i was young show on b96 it might have been something like that but it, it yeah. was it was before i think i was in high school so it would have been like 94 93 but somewhere yeah. in that early 90s yeah and so she went <laughs> and ordered like the whole collection and he like picked up the phone and my mom talked to bad boy bill wow. <laughs> like, which is like didn't register at all 
then, and yeah. now I think now because you know we had a, you know banging the box and all that shit. And I'm yeah. like, holy shit! Like my mom like talked to like Bad Boy Bill. <laughs> yeah. You know, like back hey, in your the day, mom's like, a legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah know, it's so, awesome. Your mom's just gangster. Yeah, man. well, she like you know she she wants to be gangster, but she's not. You know, like, <laughs> and so, but like you know that that was always playing in the car, and so like, and I still remember like listening to tapes and not knowing what electronic music was, but I was like, I want more of that. You know, uh-huh. like, what, what did, I was like, and I remember thinking in my head like, I want more of that. And I just said, I made up was electronic music. I don't even think it had a term back then. It's probably still disco or house, but I was like, I want that like electronic sounding music. And I couldn't even ask my parents for it because they didn't know what the term was. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just listening to stuff. And, you know, growing up, I just kept kind of attaching myself to, you know, so the music, empty me party to goes, you know, I'd listen to KLF and stuff like that. Anytime I could sure. just find something, you know, I'd be in the dance section. I would just buy it, you know, and just kind of absorb it. And then, you know, I just always gravitate toward it. I mean, I still listen to hip hop and, you know, I was a juggalo for a while. Just music just kind of, you know, absorbed. And I, you know, I went through all my phases. Woo, you know, woo. Yeah, you know, like. Rolling you know, with a hatchet. Freaking, exactly. Riddle box, all that crap. And, you know, it's high school, you know. And I, I just found my way. But electronic music was always just kind of there, you know. Mm, okay. And so, um, and yeah, like I said, it was just my parents brought that to me. And then that, that kind of sparked. And then I just was always reaching out trying to find that stuff, you know. You mentioned something in here, too, about you you would follow Usenet groups to learn about electronic artists. Oh yeah, yeah. So that that speaks to me too because I I Instagram. used kind of early internet mm-hmm. to discover a lot of this kind of music too. So yeah. are, are you like a like a computer geek from way back? Or? Yeah, I mean that's you know I spent I still remember like having the internet and being like oh this is awesome. I still remember the first time on the internet I like went. And, downloaded like all these godzilla images because you could just get it i was like oh godzilla is great and it would be like <laughs> the image would go doo, 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 doo. and then it was like that was it you know yeah. and so i i was always you know my dad had the computer i think we had apple IIe from an early age and so i just mm-hmm. always had that in our you know so i played video games from a very early age and still play video games so that was a big part of my life and so like going online to find stuff i remember like i'm wearing this orbital shirt you're like you couldn't find information about stuff mm-hmm. you know you had magazines like i wasn't going to the shows i was just like Okay, I watched you know MTV, you know Amp or something like that. And I'm oh, like, okay, yeah. you know you remember that, remember you know that. stuff like that. And I, I would be like, who's that? Oh, left field. Okay, I'll, I've seen that name for that. Might be good. And I was like, oh, I don't really like that. And then okay, this might be good. And it's just a lot of trial and error. But I remember I was on a, a Usenet group for. Uh, remember get the group Fluke? They did uh, yeah. Adam Bomb, Adam Bomb, yeah. everything. So I, I guess they only had one album. So I joined this group, and it was like. Just people talking about electronic music, even though they only had one album that was just like five years old or whatever. But like, <laughs> I remember being on there trying to like, talk to people, and that's why I discovered. Uh, remember ASIN, uh, Trip to the Moon, or whatever that like acid, uh, um, Trip to the Moon, and then um, I know you guys know this song. It's like a, it's almost like a happy hardcore song. No, um, we, ain't, we ain't got time for that. No, I, I mean, <laughs> well, you know, I even went through that phase. But anyway, Every, um, everybody, I, yeah. I may or may not have a couple happy <laughs> hardcore CDs. I, still I definitely have a, I definitely have a, a compilation of like happy to be hardcore because that's that's what i was getting in athens you know like it, was, it was you know the dance section was like this large and it was like <laughs> and you, you had know. to buy what they yeah, had exactly yeah to buy yeah. that it was like and it was always this is best of techno one best of techno yeah. two techno three. anthems yeah, yeah techno <laughs> anthems rave anthems you know so yeah. that's why i was finding like you know uh lords of acid and all that stuff and that was just kind of like i was just growing and had no idea what the genres were you know and so, yeah. that, so that's why we go on the internet to be like the little i could find you know like, hey look at this or whatever and so uh, but yeah, I remember that Usenet group, and it was just like talking about fluke. Then it was like a twelve-track album, and so it was like there's not much to talk about after that. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like here's the album that was great, and then, so we just talked about like 
you know, Orbital and then, you know, Chemical Brothers and other stuff that was kind yeah. of relevant at the time. And, you know, I didn't know who the people were, but, you know, I would just chime in and be like, oh, you know, that was also the time where, like, you know, getting music was a lot harder. Yeah. You know, so you can't, mm-hmm. you know, right now we can download everything. But, like, then it was like, hey, there's this live version of this one song that can only get in the UK. And so you had to, like, send away. And that was, like, a big deal. Like, yeah. I remember I, I sent, oh, to, I, I got, like, you would mail away. They would send you the the catalog, the list. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And then you would look, flip through, and you're like, "I want this," and you would mail away, and then they would mail it to you, and it was like you'd mail a check. Yeah, you know yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like a four week process or something yeah. like music, and it yeah, because this in. sounds around the time when I was in Japan, and that mm-hmm. was the process I had. Except for um, sometimes I would call my friends that would go to the record store, mm-hmm. you know, and. You know, I'd buy like a $10 phone card, which gave me about approximately seven minutes of talking time. <laughs> so my buddy would be on the phone. He would like play like 10 seconds of a song. No, I don't want that one. Okay, play 10 <laughs> seconds of another song. Okay, get that one. You know, and just go back and forth yeah. and then have to pay the shipping to get it to Japan. So now I, I totally yeah. recognize that struggle. It was, it was such a weird, like, you know, I just take it for granted now, but it's like such a weird time. And, you know, I was like, and so that's why, like, we burn the hell out of our music. You know, it was like, this is what I got. So you know, I'm just going to listen to this, you know, because otherwise I got to mail away for another catalog and then like yeah. you, you don't know what it is you know so it's not like i can go to like passiondj.com and be like have you heard this it's just like that sounds cool okay yeah i guess i bought welcome to the thunderdome like 46 you guys remember that series it was like a gabber house thing <laughs> it had like i mean you, you know had, yeah, exactly. it, it, their, their thing was they always had like some horror person on the front so it's like uh-huh. chucky with the knife or like you know the clown or something but it was like 46 and i was like oh it's got 80 tracks on you know it's just like yeah that's how i got music i was like this looks cool like i still remember um it was uh the first chemical brothers album you know where they used to do the five um you go into place and the disc player and it was like five cds oh yeah yeah, you know so it was like that looks really cool and i i remember the song it was fuck up beats it's track five it's a minute long and it was like i want this you know that's that's how you got music i didn't know anything about the band i was like this sounds really cool it could have been in the rest of the album was nothing like it, but I ended up liking it a lot. But, you know, that's how I absorb music in Athens. Yeah, see, so the, the advent of the Internet really changed everything for me because even though it was like – so we're talking like when MP3 was first – like people first heard that term, mm-hmm. you know, and so it was, was dial-up and, yeah. and all that. And Yeah, kids, there was a time where you could not talk on the phone and yeah. get on the Internet at the same time. Yeah, Mom, that's, get off the phone! <laughs> that's exactly – And the picture of Jenna Jameson is like halfway <laughs> through <laughs> – I was just downloading the zoo. Exactly that era. And so, you know, I found like the early mp3.com. So that was like amateur artists were uploading music Music, that they created. And I found, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Forums were big for me, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still, transaddict.com, I used to go to all the time. They're still not as active as they were, but it's still around. And I still have uh, internet friends from from those days on my now Facebook account. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would... For me, it was, you know, I was into, like, video game music and mm-hmm. stuff like that growing up. And, you know, obviously, you've seen some of the other episodes I've done. Oh, yeah. So, it's like, I wanted to figure out, I'm like, how do I just find music like this, you know? And one day, I was hanging out with a computer geek, uh, an older, like, uh, computer geek mentor, I guess. He taught me how to build computers and stuff. And uh, his wife had said, you know, why are you always listening to that techno music? And I went, techno music? That's what I need to look for. <laughs> so then I started searching for that, and that led me into trance. Mm-hmm. And then it was all, you know, uphill or downhill from there, depending <laughs> on your, <laughs> your view. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I think it's harder for people who are younger than us to really understand mm-hmm. how different the discovery of music was even just a few years ago. Well, but you take it back, you know, a couple of years before that with Tony and I, before we even had internet, 
you yeah. know, and you physically had to go to the record shop and, you know, get in good with the guy that was the manager. So he'd tell you when the new records came in, because Trip has told those stories when he was down in Cincinnati, you know, trying to find out when the good stuff was yeah. coming in and, and just listening, you know, to like 10 seconds at a chunk and, and hoping that this $17 import that you bought with two songs on it was going to be a banger at the yeah. club. Having this conversation prior to the recording of the episode, there was two record stores down there. It was Clubhead and uh, Culture 7. Culture 7 was a, you would walk into it and it was a tuxedo shop up front. <laughs> yeah. And then in the back was another room that was about this size with a closet about just this part. Yeah. You know? And the closet was all 25 cent promos, which were all awesome. white labels and all, stuff. Or? They, they, yeah. They were amazing. Um, and then it was like all the Alta mixes and remixes and everything. But both record stores, I was into trance. Back mm-hmm. then, I was playing trance, and I couldn't hear it was all any, – any electronic record store here was either techno, breaks, drum and bass, or house music. You know, mm-hmm. Couldn't find any trance. So that's when I had to you know, reach out to the drop shop in Orlando, mm-hmm. Neptune in Tampa, and Global Groove, which AOL dial-up, that's how, you know. Yeah, I had never heard anybody use the word trance in person until Mm -hmm. the internet. You know, that was just not a a term I'd ever heard in that context before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think think people take it for granted now. It was hard to find music back then. Yeah, I mean, all those genres that were being thrown. Because, you know, like I said, I probably started probably 94, 95, like really like disturbing. You know, it was Big Beat was the the term, and that was for like Fatboy Slim and what was it, Chemical Brothers, who Mm -hmm. else was really big, you know. A prodigy, obviously, yeah. um, but you know that w- there was so much other stuff, and there's rave stuff was around, and so it was like just really confused. It was like I just like these artists, and so then I, I remember just even trying to DJ. I was like, you know, I had my Gabber House CD, then my Happy Hardcore, and then I had like Chemical. I'm just like, didn't know any BPMs, or and I'm just like, okay, let's. I like this song, and then I literally was just mixing sounds. I was like, oh, there's a good breakdown. Let me just put that in there, and like it wasn't even DJing. Well, it was DJing, but like you know, it wasn't beat matching or whatever. But yeah, it was. You know, the genres, you know, now it's, you know, witch house and, and it's all, you know, <laughs> they, right. they are genres, you know, but then it's blurring, you know, like, you know, I, you guys remember the period when like progressive house just slowly changed on Beatport and this whole mm-hmm. other thing, and you know, it's so, yeah, you know, and yeah. it, it's very confusing. So mm-hmm. people are like, oh, I want progressive house. And it's like, no, this is different. You know, and it's different for everybody. It, but it was like, you know, I have a feeling of what it was and it's, you know, but even the styles inside the genres change. So it's just all. It was even more confusing back then because, yeah, you couldn't go on the internet and be like, hey, what is this? Yeah, you know? when, I, when I first got back into this and I heard about Beatport, I was like, oh, everybody's going to Beatport. And I was just like, oh, house music. And it's like, lefty house. You know, <laughs> this house, that house. And I was like, no, I just want house. Like, where's the house <laughs> yeah. tab? That's all right. I want. You know, and it was just – so I had to sit there and listen through songs through all of them to try and learn what these new definitions were. And it's definitely like, in a subgenre world. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like it's, uh, it's tiring yeah. looking through all that stuff. You know, and I just want someone to, like – scan my brain is like i want the stuff i was listening to in 98 that's what i want that's coming that's, <laughs> spotify is scarily that that is coming I, I i will add stuff and then i'll be like damn i forgot about that song that's right like it, it just oh and it has my, a little part yeah, of the bottom like it, songs you might like and like my shit's like way over here and there and it's like yeah that's the banger that fits in right there like it's they're mapping our brains probably right now on the camera you know yeah. or whatever but it, I, I the day will come when we like tap the back of our neck and like download music to our brain and it's just there and you watch the video on your eyelids or whatever like, <laughs> yeah. I said here first folks you know we got <laughs> some time but Passionate I should DJ like, prophecies yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to say real quick uh, it, it kind of relates to one of your things that we talked about in the chat mm-hmm. um, 
Uh, well, first of all, you're a patron, so thank you for your support. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. that. I, I, I believe in paying like what you believe in. People are like, oh, that's great. No, this shit costs money. Like all this <laughs> stuff we're wearing, like this all costs money. <laughs> and like you guys are doing it free because you guys love it. But like, like I started doing Patreon last year uh, for a Star Wars podcast that I listened to okay. or whatever. And so like, and I'm in the car. It, keep, it keeps me, this stuff literally keeps me awake, which keeps me alive when I'm driving. So mm-hmm. like. Thank you guys for you know saving oh. my life. I get, but, you know, like it's important. Like you know, so I feel like you know this stuff takes time. So like, just put your money where it matters. You know, I know you guys are asking for patrons all year. Like, if you've been paying attention for a year on this, five dollars. You know, like that's like you said, it's like a, an EP or whatever. You know, like yeah. you, mm-hmm. you don't even know how it is. So I, I just really felt like I need to really do that more. Like that's why I'll randomly like you know those you know, GoFundMe's. I'll just be like, mm-hmm. you know what, like that is a friend of mine. Like it'll be a friend's someone else share I'm like you know this will help this friend i'll just do it you know like i feel like that's if i do that once or twice and everyone did that like it would help a lot more you know but like i said i i respect this podcast and i'm like yeah, i got it well and he's not full of garbage either because we had this conversation mm-hmm. back in april oh yeah and you were like because i didn't even bring it up you're like yeah man i need to get on that patreon yeah i keep forgetting so yeah. thank you yeah yeah, no, yeah yeah we really appreciate that and it really does help and if anybody wants to sign up you can uh, sign up at patreon.com forward slash passionate dj you get access to our bonus monthly bonus show called after party and that's where we put all of our extra bonus segments that you don't get on the main show and i will say after party is awesome <laughs> like I I, <laughs> I I enjoy so like you know as a dj i enjoy like just the kind of banter. I mean, that's why I was excited to be here. But, like, the things that you guys don't, you know, it makes sense. But, like, those little conversations, like I said, I, I the one trip did on, you know, DJing for, uh, that was on After Party, right? Yeah. For, yeah, uh, so, Oak, yeah. Oakfold. Dude, I've been DJing for over almost 20 years. Like, that was, like, it fell right in line with what I wanted. You know, I told you guys offline, like, that's what I need. Like, I need to hear what another DJ is thinking in their head. Thinking out know, loud. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and not even like the concept, but literally the songs, because the songs have a sound to it. And so like, you know, you can describe a song, but until you hear it, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not the same thing. And so yeah. for it to be like, I was singing this song, it's an older underworld song, you know, but then I don't really like the vocal and that whole thing was pretty funny. But like, you know, <laughs> um, you know, the loop art that he could be saying one thing, but maybe people think it's a you know racial epitaph. Anyway, like, you know, like <laughs> uh, you know, and I agree. Cause I, that's funny. Cause I felt the same way when I heard that, but you know, it helped me like be like, oh, you know, I'm I, I do the same thing but differently as well, you know. And I, I feel like a lot of DJs who have, you know, gone past the point of like, how do I open but like how do I get better at being an opening person, you know? Because like, you know, the, the basics, you know, don't blow it out, don't play mm-hmm. the songs, the first headline, okay, we get that, but like, how do you know? Like, what do you do? Do you stick with it? You know, I think the really exciting thing you said was, you know, I don't know what mindset Paul wants. You know, some mm-hmm. people are like you know, the, the headline doesn't give a shit what you do because they're going to come in, their headline are going to blow it out. You yeah. know? So, like, yeah. they could be playing bangers. Well, you don't have the bangers I have. You know, other people are like, hey, you know what? Like, uh, uh, I did a show for Matt Zoe. He wanted to start really slow, you know? And so I, I was forced to do, like, I think I called in about that, but, like, I had to do, like, 126 Deep House because he had this manager, and it was oh, a mess. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Dude, it, was, it was a mess. No. You know, like, so I, yeah, yeah, 126. Dude, bring it down. down. Never, yeah. I'll never forget. And then it was just this guy who got picked up by Anjuna to, like, follow with Matt Zoe for the, that leg of the tour. So he wasn't even, like, his real, the like, manager. manager. Yeah. It was just this guy who just, you know, has to make Matt look good. Matt probably didn't even know that, you know. But anyway, like, knowing that stuff, you know, is important because, you know, it, it can change for everybody. Well, I'm glad that you brought that episode up because that's kind of where, where I was going with that is that that episode, and just to kind of catch uh, the rest of the audience up, uh, the the episode of After Party we're referring to was, uh, so 
Tony's company, Three Dimensional Entertainment, brought Paul, Paul Oakenfold in last year for a big show. We've talked about it on the show a number of times. And in that episode of After Party, he brought in a lot of the tracks that he was like, I think I'm going to play this, mm. or I might play some of this. Here's where my head's at. He being and trip. just He being trip. Um, and we just kind of, you know, talked about the, the psychology of that and, yeah. and where he might take the dance floor and stuff. And so one of the things that you had said was um, you wanted to, to talk about uh, is not preparing for a gig lazy. You said it seemed to be that if you planned a set, you weren't really DJing because you weren't reacting to a crowd. But nowadays I feel like if you don't prepare something unique, it's too easy to phone it in. Um, yeah, yeah, but is that really a good thing is what you're getting at. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of wanted to just get your guys' opinion on that because it, it's, you know, people say one thing, they mean something else, and they do something else, you know? So <laughs> yeah. it's like, I, I kind of want you people like, you know, I, a lot of people say like, I have no idea what I'm going to, I'm going to do. Like, well, some people, you know, is that because you really don't know what you're going to do or like you've, you know, but not, people don't understand, like they've got these routines that they've been practicing, you know? Mm. And so it's like, yeah. yeah, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but you know what? I've been practicing for 10,000 hours, you know? And so like I can do that, but a lot of DJs see that as, you know, I just show up like when I, I do the show, guys, I'm just going to show I, up. And I play what I feel. Exactly. You know, and, so, <laughs> and you just end up just, you know, <laughs> intro, outro, exactly. You know, yeah. and so in the first then you, 32, last yeah, 32, you know, and yeah. you don't really bring anything. I, I, a lot of times I feel like that way. And so that's why I feel like, you know, like I practice a lot for the shows that I play, you know, mm -hmm. and like a lot of times I'll, I'll be like, this is what I'm going to do. And then it gets blown out of the fucking water. So I'm prepared for that, you know, but like a lot of people are like, I have no idea I'm going to do. And that, that's fine. But I, I kind of want to dive into that more because I feel like, you know, people, you know, the people phone in and, you know, like we've been DJing for years. We could go to a gig and, and be prepared and do it, you know, but like, is that right? You know, mm -hmm. like, I guess, you know, I don't know if it's right. is the, right. the word I want to use, but you know, like, is that the best practice, if that makes sense? You know, like, I love hearing people like, you know, like, so with Trip saying, he's like, I've been practicing, thinking these songs, I'm buying new stuff, and I'm trying new things, you know, but everybody's got different things. And so I kind of wanted to see what you guys felt, because I hear that from a, a lot of different people in different ways, and I didn't know if, if they really mean it in the way that I think it is, or if it's, you know, maybe I'm interpreting differently, or, or you know what I'm saying, so. But I think you kind of got to break that out into different lanes, because, mm -hmm. like, for, like, you and I are the only ones that do mobile. Yeah. So I think there's a mobile lane. I'm not going to yeah. practice for yeah, a wedding. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Uh, that, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> <Yeah. you. laughs> Hell no, yeah. yeah. Hey, here's the 20 songs you want, and I'm back to practice. Yeah, you know, cha -cha set slide. two points <laughs> and everything, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, I, I guess, yeah. So yeah. I, I should talk more about, like, you know, passion gigs. You know, so when you're performing and people are coming to see you. Be funky perform. artist. Exactly. Okay. You know, like, I, I'm opening for so-and-so. That's, that's probably the best way. I'm open for so-and-so or I'm the headline or something like that. You know, that people are coming to see you do you, you know, that makes sense, you know, and it's really open form. I mean, open format's the same thing, you know, like that's, you know, you're, we're bringing something, there's routine, like I was thinking about the fact I, I watched, uh, you know, one of those DJ shows or whatever, and they took, they gave them like seven songs and they had to like mix them a different way, and, and one of the songs was, um, what's that, Two Chains songs, like, doom, 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 I, I don't know, but I can't think of what the, <laughs> the song is, but they took that, and the other song was, um, uh, I like it raw by OD, ODB. So they mm -hmm. took the keys like ding, 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 and then they they mixed it that, and I was like, man, that's fucking oh, like genius. finger drumming, yeah, okay. you know, finger, yeah, their yeah. finger, sorry, their <clears throat> finger drumming. I was like, that's genius, but you wouldn't be able to really do that just on the fly. You have to practice that or whatever. So that that kind of made me think, like, you know, if you're not doing stuff like that, like, you know, are, are you doing enough? If that makes sense or whatever, you know, it's a weird thing with DJs because there's there's this weird line that we try to tread where it's like okay are we doing a live performance or are we just playing other people's records and 
you know, we like to bring sampling and looping and, you know, some of us bring in the remix decks and, and, and all that kind of stuff or mixing acapellas on top of other things. And at some point, you know, I've talked about this on before where it's, it's almost like there's this uncanny valley between like, okay, am I doing a live PA or am I doing a DJ set? And the respect almost flips if you go too far in one direction or the other that people seem to give you because if I'm a live PA but I let a whole track play, I'm cheating. But if I'm a DJ and then I play some samples or some loops, then I'm not really doing a live PA thing, so I'm cheating. You know, and it's like, first of all, you're never going to make everyone happy. Yeah. So you just say that. But I, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard line to, to tread, I think, if you really care about what other people think. Well, I guess the question, is, is it different if you're a headliner versus like direct support? Not, not even then. I, I mean, I think it's really, you know, like, it's, I, I, I'm really trying to get at people saying, like, I don't, you know, when I say, like, when you say, I have no idea what I'm going to do, like, mm. do you really mean you have no idea, like, you haven't thought about the set, or is it like, mm. you know, You haven't like, curated a plan. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, or is it really like, you know, I'm not like a, another DJ who knows, like, I'm starting with this, and then I'm going to do these songs straight through, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so because uh, you know, there are people, you know, a lot of people who just have their set plan. You know, mm. I've done it. You know, like, people just like, this is what I feel is going to work. And then, you know, I get in there, and it, I have to manipulate a few things. But for the most part, the core stuff stay the same. You know, but I've rehearsed that. Like, what I find with my trans shows, like, I have to, like, compress it. I've got to make edits and everything. Like, we talked about this. Like, I can't play you know, this song. You can't play an six, entire yeah, exactly, song. You know, yeah. like, you know, people can't do that. The energy is different. So, like, so I'm, I'm mixing out of different points that I would normally, you know, uh, be able to do if I hadn't rehearsed it. You know, when I'm just doing what I, I'm, you know, my, my skill set, you know, I, I know what my phrasing is, you know, but when yeah. I'm doing this, it's like something different because I'm trying to do something that makes more sense on the dance floor, but it's not what I would normally do because, you know. I feel like I'm in a constant fight with myself over this because, like, I want to be more like loosey goosey and fluid and in the moment and, and, you know, crowd reading and pivoting and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But when it comes to when Tony says, Hey, will you do direct support for Sasha? I'm like, I can't fuck that up. Yeah. So then I get in my own head, you know? And so what I found myself, part of your artist brain comes on. You're like, I have a responsibility because this is an opportunity that I may never get again. So I need to, I need to bring, bring the heat. So you, you get caught in between respect the art and respect the artist mm-hmm. that you're about to open for. Yeah. Right? So I, what I found myself doing is I would kind of over plan, but then I would not really stick to it anyway in the moment because I would still do that. Uh, the crowd's not feeling this. Let mm-hmm. me try taking it this direction thing. And once I realized that I was doing that every time I made a playlist anyway, I kept, now I just do that. I always go through and I make some kind of playlist ahead of time mm-hmm. because I trust myself now to know that I will probably stray from it, and mm-hmm. I never just follow it track by track you, anymore. I think yeah. you have to give yourself that flexibility because otherwise, if you're just dead set on going this one particular path and everybody in the dance floor becomes a ghost town, like, what did you just do? Yeah. yeah. You know, Paul or Shasta walks up and there's nobody out there. He'd be like, Tony, what, where where'd you bring me? You yeah. know? Yeah, and, and that would be kind of the, the worst fate that you could have in that moment is to have a playlist that the people aren't feeling and just mm-hmm. because it's here, just keep following it. But, but I don't think that follows the same route as like the, I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, I have a general idea of where mm-hmm. I want to go and I will yeah. get there with this package of 30 tracks in this 90 minutes. I always try and, and stick to the first few tracks because it's yeah. depending if I'm opening 
up for an artist, if I'm headlining a show or whatever, you know, those first core few songs are the ones that's going to pull them in. Yeah. You know, so if it's just, if, if I'm being direct support, you know, all the shows that I've played, I like to start people off just kind of grooving because I'm starting off earlier mm. in the night anyway, you know, and I, I, I stick to those first few core tracks because I know like, all right, they're not overboard, they're not underboard, they're not boring, they're enough to get people to start doing this. And once mm -hmm. you get them doing this, you know, mm -hmm. they're more apt to open up. And then that's when I have the next, you know, 10 or 15 songs in my crate to where I can either take them in this direction or keep them in this direction and slowly get to that direction. But if they're not feeling it, then I know I got to go here. Gotcha. But I still have those, that core crate of, of records that is going to match the feel of that night, who I'm opening up for, or if I'm headlining. Well, you sort of have an improv approach to playing that music too to where you do a lot of grabbing a lot of loops and doing mm -hmm. different things to it and playing acapellas and stuff so even if like the cool thing about your sets is which a lot of like techno type djs don't have is even if you play the same 15 songs it's not going to be the same set right right mm -hmm. there's a lot of oh shit moments too you know <laughs> sure like coming uh or or taking that approach because i'll have a loop going and another loop going and i'm like I, I completely forget where I'm at in the loop because I've been, you know, I've been in it for so long and I get into the, the EQing of it that I get lost in the count of the song, oh, yeah. you know, where the song's going to go. Um, that's a definitely a, a challenge, but I still try and stick with those, those core songs. I, I think something Tony pointed out that I think is a good point is like, when in the night are you playing? Mm -hmm. And that goes back to my original question is like, are you direct support or are you, or are you a headliner? I think if you're a headliner, People are coming to see you do you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I would argue that it's okay for you to go in there without a plan because I'm going to go in there, I'm going to see what's happening. And it, what would you yeah. call it? Trust me? Yeah, trust me. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, then, that, that is, yeah. and that for that party, and that's a good example. That is 100% just off the cuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just like feeling, and I go there and I, I look, listen to that. That's kind of what made me think. Like, I listen back and I'm like, you know, that could have been better. Like, you know, because I, what I'm finding, and I, I've been curating my playlist, and, and I get in these, you know, I don't call them ruts, but, like, you know, I know I'm going to, 105, I'm going to play this, and I'm going to play this. You know, you just kind of get those, those, it feels good. You've heard this mix before, so you're going to do it again. And then I'm like, but then I'm like, man, I missed those other 30 songs I could have done that spot mm -hmm. or whatever. And so that that's kind of, you know, and I, I guess I should also preface, I don't think that any, anything is wrong either way. I just kind of wanted to pull this out because I think yeah. new people hearing this, like, will think, you know, like, like, I think, yeah, a headliner will show up and not do, like, if we're playing DJ, I don't know what I'm going to play. I just go there and I just rock it. Because I'll give you a good example of a headliner doing that. Like, Green Velvet, I highly mm -hmm. doubt he curated three hours worth of music mm -hmm. that night. Because were you there? No, no, I wanted to go. Yeah, I good show. yeah, yeah. He, he was, you had him booked for, what, an hour and a half? Hour and a half. Yeah, he doubled yeah. that. That's awesome. I'm yeah. fairly confident he, he wasn't prepared. He, for was, that. he didn't have that all yeah. lined up. And, and, and I guess I, what I'm trying to say, I think when people hear that, they think, so he is just going out there and doing that, but like Green Velvet's got decades of practice behind yeah. that, if that makes sense. You know, so that's what that's I guess what I I feel like gets lost in that. You know, people are like, so the young kids like, yeah, I just show up and it's like, no, dude, you've been DJing for six months. You know, like <laughs> you know, like you've you've got you know, and it, and, it, and, it, and there's no, and I guess the other thing is there's no way of you know, 
they, the feedback loop is messed up. So their friend's like, man, that was awesome. You know, your friends always tell you you're awesome. Yeah. You know, that's why everyone yeah. says record yourself. And you're like, no, I wasn't awesome. You know, like they, were, they weren't even paying attention. You know, like they show up the last 10 minutes of your yeah. set or whatever. You know, like. And you were high. Exactly. You know, like, <laughs> it's like I was dancing the whole time. I love that dubstep. I was like, I didn't play dubstep. That was Green Velvet show. Like, what are you talking about? You know, like, um, you know, so that they, so they, you get this feedback loop. And it's happened to me, like. Uh, this is why. I, so I, I don't drink at shows. Well, that's it. I don't get drunk at shows anymore because I I did a show in Cleveland. This is this is for you guys out there who are doing shows for the first time, and you know want to get the edge off. I'm doing a show in Cleveland. I'm the headliner. It's one of our Dave Rave shows. You know, so there's mm-hmm. been three other openers, and I get up there. And I still remember. I, so I'm a Serato DJ, and I I put the song on, and I'm mixing, and you know there's no monitor, so it's in my headphone. I'm like listening. Man, this mix is sounding good. It's me perfect. I didn't realize I had duplicated both songs, and so I'm mixing the same song, song. into itself. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, damn, this is fucking slamming. This is awesome, you know? Like, and so I'm like, what the hell? That's I know that because I had done shots and a bunch of stuff, and I'm like, and thankfully I, had ne- I didn't bring the song. You know, I was just cueing to see if it would work, but I was like, dude, what the hell the are you doing? The song will never there? end. You know? And, so, and, I, and people told me, oh, your set was great. I had recorded. I listened the next day, and I was like, no, that transition was crap. And so I was like. I'm done with that or whatever, you know, yeah. but like, I'll never forget that. I just remember like, man, this, this mix is just, it's like butter, you know, like the song is just together. It's like they were meant to be to together. together. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, and so, but that's, you know, that's something I learned through, you know, the hard way. I was like, oh, I should probably just dial it down yeah. or whatever. So, so going back to the direct support, I think you kind of might be, gotta be a little cautious. Cause like you said, you don't, you don't want to play the headliners bangers mm-hmm. and you don't want to come in with too much energy or too little energy. You have, I, I think your your uh, your latitude is a lot narrower when you're direct support because you're basically getting everybody ready, you know, for the big dog I to think come it's on the, the stage. Set of the night. I, yeah. I would, I would, I, I have not yeah. done it, but I would agree. agree. The pressure you know, is like no other. The psycho, yeah. the psychological impact of like, man, if I go too far left or right, mm-hmm. you know, this could just ruin the whole night. You know, I mean, that's if you care about what it is you're doing, oh, if you absolutely. understand the responsibility. Yeah, played I, head games with me for several years. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, it, it's you know, like I've I've done three. You know, this is my third trance show, but like I I've always started the I'm I don't know what the, the person before me is going to do, so I'm going to start where I want and then bring it up, you know. And the person before me always going harder, you know. So now I'm like, I got this song, mm-hmm. so I've got like you know, like I I post on page, you know, I really feel like those first three four songs like really. You know, like I, I've got this idea, and then it gets me in the groove, and then I can just go wherever I need to go, or whatever. You know, and um, what ended up happening is, you know, they're slower songs, and then what ends up happening is, you know, the crowd's like, "This is bullshit." You know, like, you know, and so I'm like, and so I, I jump like to, you know, somewhere when, six, seventh song when the drink line exactly, is more yeah, you know, than like it's, it's kind of yeah. going, and so you know, that's you've got to be ready because it's true. Like I, I tell people, like you know, the, the the headliners can do whatever they want; they can play those huge long songs because they got the lights and everything. You've got usually this dark room with a, you know, some washes movement, stuff like yeah. that, you know, so that, you know, we all know that the, the production makes those songs bigger, you mm-hmm. know, that's why, that's why the, the headliner, you know, that's why above and beyond can do what they do. You know, they've got an led wall and everything. And, you know, their songs are like, you know, it's like two minutes dancing, six minutes, like breakdown, but <laughs> you know, they can do that, you know? And so, you know, you, as you know, uh, direct support, we can't do that stuff, you know? And so I agree. It's, it's nerve wracking. People don't know who you are, so you don't really, you know, we don't have our own tracks, you know, some other touring artists do, but even then, like, you know, their people are not there for that person. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just this dude. You that, know, that, so. They're not paying that 25 bucks to see you. Exactly. At, yeah. You know, it, and then I think going back to like that very first opener, that's probably like the, the lowest amount of danger you could possibly be in. Cause 
well, usually there's not a lot of people there. The headliner probably isn't even in the building. And you have some more, you have a lot more latitude. I mean, you probably don't want to play the bangers and all that stuff, but I, I, I'd imagine like if you do go out there and play bangers and your 20 best friends are out there, they're going to have a good time. You might not ever be asked to come yeah. back, <laughs> but, but I mean, honestly, if you're opening up that soon, you know, what do you have to lose at that point? Because you don't, like you said, you don't know who's in the room that night mm -hmm. and somebody could come in like, Hey, I like what this guy plays. You know, he probably in the wrong time slot in the wrong, you know, mm -hmm. venue, but I think I could use him for something else. I can definitely relate to what you were saying about, uh, having to bring it down because somebody before me is going too hard. Like I, I feel like that's been the case every time I've ever DJed ever. Like I, <laughs> I don't know if it's just like I have some elitist version of where I think it should be before the headliner or if I just like to play slower, more, you know, laid back than other DJs. But I always feel like I have to bring it down a little bit, but I, I try to view it as a challenge instead. So to I'm reset like, the table. Yeah, like, okay, how do I get from here to where I think I want it to be before the next person goes on? Um, and and do it in a way that's not me just slamming the fader and being like, do, do, do. You know what I mean? Like, how can I make this interesting and get the crowd to believe in what I'm doing yeah. here? See poor kids tripping like in the front. Like, whoa, 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 what the hell happened? Yeah, no, because I, I say this all the time. Like, you know, people are trying to explain, like, you know, there is no 11. You know, the energy, you know, the energy goes from zero to 10. Yeah. And so if you're at a nine all night, that nine starts feeling like a seven or whatever. So like mm -hmm. I need to be able to like, you know, so I, I, I see it. Like I want to start at 125 and then like end at 129, 130. Well, this person's gone to 130 and so I want to be here. So I got to jump all the way up here and then like bring it. Because, so, you know, it's an adventure. You get to do more things. And so those banger bangers for direct support, you know, when that's, that finally happens, you know, if the person before you has been doing 130, 132 the whole time, that banger your set's going to sound like crap. There's you no know, energy left. exactly. You know, and so and that people don't understand that. Like, oh, you know, I didn't blow it out. It's like, dude, your energy was just too high at that point for too long. You know, like it's peaks and valleys. And I know you guys have talked. You got to pace know, yourself. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's just you know, it, it is the most nerve wracking, but it, but it's also the most exciting because it really makes you look at your whole like breath of music and be like, you know, what am I going to do? Like, I, I've I've always felt you know, DJing is like a is like a video game where it's like mm. you know. We, it's, you know, a puzzle. We're trying to figure out, you know, nothing's perfect. You know, it's not a science. We're like, you know, I think this is going to work because of this. I've heard this song before. You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, like the Underworld song that, you know, Tripp was talking about. So, you know, for an Oakland Fold song, that's an older song. So maybe there's older people in the crowd. So yeah, I they think, don't remember it. Yeah, yeah, you know, so I think this will work for them, you know. But then I was saying, like, those people aren't there, you know. So I bring this song and then, like, no one, you know, I, I think I played a show and I was like, I'm going to play Traffic. At one, you know, for an, uh, for, I think it was Matt Zosha or something like that. And it's like, there's nobody 40 years older, you know, that knew that song, you know? So, like, in my mind, I'm like practicing and stuff, you know? So, it's like, it's fun to figure out because it's a puzzle you're trying to, you know, and then when you're right, it just feels great. You're like, oh, I figured it out. You know, this, this is right because our practicing of, you know, checks and balances, it, it just ends up, I don't know, it, it's, it's, it's exciting to do that because it's not a perfect science. It keeps sense. DJing more interesting to me to think of it that way. It's yeah. like a, a challenge. Like, how do I how do I get to where I want to be? Not how do I force it on somebody? Because yeah. then then you are just playing ten tracks in a row that you planned on coming in with. And know? I think we can all agree that sometimes like it just ain't working. Yeah. No matter what you do, sure. It's just they're 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 ignoring you. They're ready for the headline. They're, yeah, they're they're ready for someone else. They're, they got their, their minds back are in on different the rail places. Yeah. To you, and it's the most I don't understand a person that can be like yeah. that. They're changing they, their Snapchat yeah. filters, all that stuff. And I think. If you're intelligent enough to recognize that point, 
that's when you go into trust me mode. And They're be not like, changing filters. They're Snapchatting you saying, this guy's <laughs> Don't ever follow this. Hashtag where, real DJ. Where, where yeah. is, you know, Skrillex or Marshmallow or whatever? <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's, yeah, that's, in, in those, that will happen. Uh, yeah, we've mm. all, all been there. It'll just happen. You've got a set, you've prepared, you know, and, the, and it just doesn't work, you know, and you just have to not take it publicly on your face. You, you know, you feel it internally, but, you know, you just come on stage and you, you thank people and that's it, you know, and that's, you know, then you get to the next it's, one or whatever. It's not wins and losses, it's wins and learns. Yeah. yeah. Weddings are probably behind direct sport the hardest thing to DJ because the crowd is so usually fickle, if that makes mm. sense. Like, they're not there unless they're really drunk. Like, they're awkwardly dancing. The lights are kind of on, you know. So, like, like I, I, I'll never forget I was DJing a wedding and I played – uh, the Chacho slide, and then everyone came out, and then I played um, ACDC, uh, shook me all night long, and everyone walked out to the dance floor. I was like, "This wedding's done. There's, <laughs> there's no saving it." Like you know that that I, is like I sure parted fire. the seas. You know that that, that song is like, sure fire, Ohio <laughs> wedding fire. Like you need, you know, like you got that, you've got the Chacha slide, you've got shout. Cupid shuffle, yeah, you yeah. Cupid shuffle. Those are like you know, I space my night. I'm like, don't oh, stop believing. Yeah, you know, yeah. uptown yeah. funk. Like you know, you know the nights. If you're going wrong, you just have those songs in wait, and you just drop them, and it yeah. just comes back to the dance floor. But that's when I, I realized, like, this wedding's done. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're not done. They're just going to do their, their you know, chord or organized dances, and that's it, you know. But, yeah, it, it's, it's hard because, you know, like, you've got to get, the, you know, a six-year-old to 80-year-old mm-hmm. dancing, you know. And then you've got to, you know, we're not really beat matching. We're just got to figure out what they want. Slamming so, faders. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, like, you're jumping in, and, you know, and then, you know, you don't want to get too, you know, like, I'm in southeastern Ohio, so, like, sometimes it's country. Sometimes, like, I don't know. Do they want, like, more urban music? You know, well, then, you know, the... the bri- yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, believe me, I... Like I said, I, I'm trying to, trying to be PC about everything or whatever. You know, I, I, I've been in some very interesting situations being a black man in southeastern yeah. Ohio. And DJ, but anyway, like, you know, they... Be, be, being a black man in it, southwest it's Ohio exactly, as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We're in Ohio general. But anyway, like, you know, um, so, you know, it, it's, it's always trying to figure out, like, where do they want to go? Like, yeah. you know, people are saying, oh, that's, that's too, you know, too urban or whatever. You know, we don't want all that stuff. They want, you know, rock and roll and stuff like that. And so it's yeah. always finding that weird thing and making it fun because, it's, you know, one of the hardest genres to find is like is, is dance rock, you know. And I've been trying to mine that, you know. Like, so mm-hmm. example would be like, you know, um, Springsteen, uh, Glory Days, songs like that, okay. you know, it's like, boom, you know, just keeps you going. Like, there are some of those songs, but not a ton of them out mm-hmm. there, you know. So I've been trying yeah. to collect them and put them in. A, so when that those you know events come up, I'm like, okay, I've got at least ten songs that'll get me through to the you know the cha cha slide and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did stumble across one. Uh, I'll change the adjectives, but it's a hundred songs that make uh, that get white people. <laughs> oh, <lit. laughs> yeah. I think you shared. I think I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> It's true, man. And like Mr. Brightside is like becoming one of those now. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, as someone, uh, a drunk young lady asked me to play Mr. Happy Side, and I was like, <laughs> I know what you're talking uh, about, sweetheart. <laughs> I know what you said, but I'm going to play what you meant. So, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it happens every time when you, when you drop the first beat of, yeah, like, Three white people on the ground, like, oh, like, they, they, <laughs> every, yeah. Yeah. it's almost like it's the first time they've ever heard the song before. Like, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, like, they just they love it, you know. And I, I just I just feed off that energy and get paid every time. And it's, you know, yeah, it's fantastic. And I was telling these guys, like, now, like, nine, it's cool to listen to 90s music, which is, you know, my young adult life. Yeah. So, like, I can start playing, like, 
Montel all that stuff Jordan, now. Just yep. like, drop it right in. Like I'm I, so I already glad. own this song. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad. No R. Kelly though. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix, sure. are, Netflix is blowing the lid off that one. Can we like they should petition? Can we replace like? Remix to Ignition, you know how it goes crazy to that song mm-hmm. with Usher's Love in This Club. Can we just like make that Swap switch? Those out? Yeah, okay. So, yeah. so that, uh, Love in This Club is the new remix to Ignition, so okay. we don't have to play that song. That's what I'm hoping happens, you know, because they're like, that, that song will never die. You you're going to start making good. counter requests yeah, you know, to people. Like, uh, yeah. How about yeah. Yeah. here's the vibe you're going for? You know, you're in the club still. You're like, you know, but like, people also like this. Yeah. 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 It's like Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, I was uh, I was even uh, skittish about playing like Chris Brown stuff for a while. Yeah, oh yeah, you know, yeah. and like girls would come up and they'd be like, "Really? Mm. Uh, okay." And nobody wants to like DJ like you're making a political statement. No, or absolutely right? yeah, not. Like whether you are or not, or you know, what, that's probably not your intention. But no. somebody's gonna think that you're but, doing yeah, that. But, you but, know? Yeah, but in me playing that, is someone in that crowd going to be like, "Oh, well, he's playing Chris Brown. He just beat the hell out of his girlfriend a couple weeks ago." Yeah. Right. Again, you yeah. know, so. Or like you might even do that and not know what somebody's or story like, is. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that like blah, our, blah, blah was a pedophile or whatever. Yeah, yeah no, like our dude that called in that was at uh, the Oklahoma City Bombers. Oh, 20, yeah. Dropped 20, the, 20, the, the bomb dropped on the bomb. Right. Like he yeah. had no idea. Right. You know. Yeah, that's I, that's horrible. I, <laughs> yeah. But how would, how, you know. There's no way. Yeah, that was a bad gig yeah. story. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, that's pretty rough. But, but <laughs> yeah, that's number one. I, I don't know if we can ever top that. <laughs> That's but if you can, <laughs> send us a voicemail. We love getting voicemail. 1-800-PASSIONATE-DJ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the real number. So. No, but you can go to the website. Uh, people have been having trouble using um, iOS, though, with, with the, the um, speak pipe to, use the, really? to send voicemail. So well, I might have to come up with another solution. Well, and here's another alternative that you guys can use. Most of you have smartphones, whether it be Apple device or um, Google or whatever. Just use the voice recorder. Uh, send us a message less than a minute. Uh, just clip it and email it to... Uh, Info at uh, podcast at podcast at passionatedj.com. Yep, that'd be just fine. Yeah, I think that's how that's how I said in my uh, bad gig. It's pretty easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some some people caught on to that early because they found that we were only taking ninety second voicemails, yeah. and so they would send like seven minute voice messages. <laughs> and I'm like, I gotta cut it down yeah. if you send something that big, you know. So. Yeah, I think I recorded my bad gig like six or seven times. I was like. Shit. Like, I, you know, I'm like, oh, after the story, I'm like, okay, then, like, I, like, started writing it down. I'm like, okay, I'm in there's this part, this part, whatever. So, like, next time, yeah. send me all those clips and we'll use them as bloopers. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Shit. For sure. Well, Brandon, this has been fun. Do you want to give out any, like, social media or uh, um, ways that people get can get a hold of you? Uh, if you want to book me, uh, djbfunk.com. That's uh, my wedding uh, Is that site. All like one word. Very, yeah, yeah. yeah DJBfunk.com. Um, well put together website, by the Thank way. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, I did. Actually, my wife made that, and then I kind of explained it. It's on um, Weebly. Is what I did or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, if you don't think you could do a website, I think you guys had something you do too, right? Yeah, Bandzoogle sponsors yeah. us. Um, it's it's super important because then I, I made my Trust Me website on that as well as TrustMeParty.com. But that's uh, it's super important that you know p- to have that because. In my opinion, at least, people are like, "Oh, I'm on. I'm just on Instagram or just on Facebook or this or whatever." Like having that there, you can basically show everything else. If that makes sense, yeah, it's a you portal. Know, it's to a your portal work. to everything else. But, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, that if you want to book me for weddings, that's just weddings. I'm in the process. I shouldn't say in the process. I've been in the process for two years <laughs> to make a website, <laughs> but of getting my other DJ stuff. But DJB Funk uh, at DJB Funk on SoundCloud, Twitter, 
and Instagram, Facebook, it's Be Funk Official, and then YouTube, Be Funk Official. But, you know. And you're also active in our uh, Passionate DJ community yeah. group on Facebook, uh, passionatedj.com forward slash community. Yeah. And, uh, and then your festivals? Yeah. Uh, those, are, those are static, right? What's that? Those are static, though, right? The festival? So the, the uh, so I'll have the block party. I'm mm-hmm. actually in the process of working on it right now. So I'm on that, the committee. Uh, I'm trying to bring – so we didn't have a DJ stage this year because mm-hmm. we done the funding, but – uh, and the city was very upset about that because they were actually, I found out they use our stage as a security measure because with uh, the shooting in, in Las Vegas and everything, mm-hmm. like, they're very hyper aware of like, okay. you know, so elevated position. Yeah. Okay. You know, they, they want to have, um, you know, a, a plan because they really don't want somebody to drive a truck down the street you okay. know, and kill them. So people. just take out the DJ. Exactly. Instead. Yeah. <laughs> they'll just blow me up. And then, <laughs> I'll be, Michael you know, Bay style. Exactly. You know. <laughs> um, so they, they were upset about that because we, we found out last minute. So I'm, I've met with the city and hopefully having that. And I may do an event on top of our parking garage on the Friday before. Cause that sounds cool. Yeah. You know, like there, there's, we have this huge, um, so my other big garage on that. Main yeah. On, on okay. main street, yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of my other jobs is I'm the executive director of Ohio Brew Week, and so I do a big craft beer festival. So we've done two events up mm-hmm. there. That's um, the one I wanted you to talk about. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that that's um, yeah, and I, I do events is kind of my life or whatever. And so uh, we did a uh, a beer uh, meet, uh, tasting uh, beer pairing up there over the summer, and so it was a huge hit. You know, mm-hmm. so it's a you can probably fit 1,500 people, and so I've talked to my staging guy. He's like, you know, it's a low clearance to get up there, but he's like, if you can get a flatbed truck, I can get the stage up there. So I want to do a show up there. You know, like I, I just, cause it's right now, like, like I've told you guys, there, there's not venues and, I, and you know, Tony's been there. We only have our venues are 250 people, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. we can't get, and we didn't talk about this earlier. We can't have these large shows that, you know, um, these other towns have, because, you know, if you can only fit 200, 210, 220, you know, you're gonna have to charge $70, yeah. $80 right. for this, this artist. And these people aren't going to do that, you know? And so we, we can't get these big people there. And that's why, you know, the, the number fest has come and they do the shows cause they've got their open field and do the whatever. So like, I want to do something different up there because I feel like a, it's right in town and B it's just this unique spot that you can like look over the town or whatever. Mm. So uh, hopefully that'll happen for Halloween. Um, and that's pretty much, you know, I'll do probably good parking too. Yeah. I mean, well, you've got, you know, six <laughs> more floors, you know, so you have to drink and drive you can park your car and you're good to go. And, but it's, it's awesome. And that, no one's ever done that. I actually had a meeting with the city yesterday about using that space. And they're like, you know, it, it's funny because I don't, I don't say I don't feel like a trustworthy person, but it's interesting that the city like trusts me to do these things. You know, they're mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah. Cause it's you, you can do that. I'm like, really? Like, me? like you're going to let me plan <laughs> is, this is, event. You is know, that like, easy? Yeah. You yeah. know, and I, that it really is like, you know, growing up, I never thought I could do the things I do, you know, because it always felt like it was so hard to like, you had to know somebody at city council. No, if you want to do something, just fucking do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I want to close down the street. Just ask, Hey, I would like to close down the street and put the stage here. Okay. Well, do you have your clearances, everything? Okay. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. So many you people know? just assume you can't do stuff and, and, they they can't because they don't, don't ever do try. Yeah. They don't yeah. ever ask or even look into it. They just assume that's that's something that other people do. Yeah, and, and that, that's really like with my my DJing. You know, when we started Dave Rave, um, there was no no one wanted electronic. I got really lucky because it was like oh wait, you know, whenever whenever David Guetta was working with Black Eyed Peas or whatever that mm. that time, you know. So I was always listening to that music, but like I was like, this is I want to do this show. So we we literally rented a basement. Uh, the lights were on. I mean, we paid to rent the space and just were like, hey, we're doing the show called Dave Rave, electronic music, come to it, you know? And then there was like, hey, this is awesome. And then we did another one. And so you, you take over, like, I kind of want to talk to on the show, like, spaces that don't have clubs, like, go to the shittiest bar, the shittiest space, and say, hey, I want to bring 30 people there, you know? And then just do it. 
Because they'll be like, what? You're going to bring people to my shitty bar? Like, absolutely, you know? And then just, you know, set the speakers. You know, it doesn't matter. That's how I got my first gigs. Yeah, Yeah. you know, like it's... it's, And that sounds like how Rick started with Pigskin, Yeah, exactly. You know, like the the, the Pigskin is a huge space, but it has the shittiest speakers. I mean, they literally... (laughs) They have... You've seen them. They have the little... um, you know the boom box you'd buy, and then you could separate the speakers <laughs> in the bedroom. They have those. They've taken the speakers off and put them on like the little uh, brick pillars, and like that's their like surround sound. They're like or four or five yeah. wire segments twisted yeah. together, yeah. Just... and they're all like blown. And so like you know, Rick brought in his speakers, his mm-hmm. washes, and everything. So it, you know, it, you've got to get that equipment. But like, just go and and do it. Because you know, a lot of people call in and respond like, "How do I do the stuff I want to do?" Like I was DJing uptown all the time, you know, but I was doing top forty request stuff, you know, and that's not what I want to do. I don't want to be a jukebox, you know, I paid. But so I was like, I'm going to do that gig, you know, get paid and then use that money to buy the equipment. And then I would go and do Dave rave, you know, and then people are like, this is really cool. No one else is doing this. And then those people hear about it and they got bigger. That's how I met Tony. Like the, the number fest picked me up. They were like, Hey, you know, you're a big thing in Athens. Like you want to play number fest? Hell yeah. You know, like (laughs) absolutely. You know? And then they kind of just, you know, people, then people see that, that notoriety and it just snowballs. And that's allowed me to like, you know, I DJ in front of like twenty thousand people. You know, like that would never have happened if I didn't just throw this Go party. Go do something. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's really not that hard. You know, like, it, and it's you know, it, it's gonna suck. You know, like you yeah. know, people are gonna be like, "What the hell is this?" You know, like, but if you love it, other people will respond to that. You know, like the yeah. my my DJ partner when we did that, we we knew each other through separate friends, and every homecoming, like we talk for a second, really drunk, and then we go separate ways. My friend Andy's like, you know, you should talk to Dave. He like he loves the same music. And I remember we were finally like not that drunk, and I was like, Wait, <laughs> you know, Paul Van Dyke, and we were like talking music. It's like we were talking the same language. You know, like I don't know how you guys were growing up, but like I had the music and no one else did, and I just had no one to talk to. So when I would find oh, yeah. somebody, same. be like, holy shit, like you know, you, you listen to Chemical Brothers, like you yeah. know, like everyone listened to you know Fat Land. That doesn't count, you know. Like <laughs> you know, like it, like I'm talking like oh, like, I listen like you know trance and stuff like that, and so that just kind of. You do those shows, those people will find it, and then they'll thank you for it. And you're like, I'm just doing what I love. It's, it's not really for you. It's for me. And then you're mm-hmm. like, well, thank you for doing this. I'm like, yeah, you know, like, I do it for free. And if you do it for free, which you'll probably need to do for a while, it'll go a long <laughs> way. You know, like, you know, we, it was a long time before we started making a profit. But, yeah, that, that's, that's my two cents of being in, you know, weird. Because people are like, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who are just in these weird-ass areas, you know, where there's nothing really going on, and, but there's a space, and just, you know, there's other people, like, you know, West Virginia's got a scene, you know, like, down in WVU, like, they, they're base heads down there, you know, like, have you guys ever driven through West Virginia? But, like, it's a little, little sketch in most parts or whatever, you know, and so, yeah. but they're they're doing it, because there's people who still listen to the music, they're not just listening to bluegrass or whatever, you know, so. And we can, we can all find each other now, yeah. whereas that was a lot harder 10, yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah, for sure. Brandon, this has been fun, man. Yeah, man. Thanks so much it. for it's coming awesome. out. Uh, yeah. We we talked a lot about trance. Will you yeah. come back and do a pick three with us? <sighs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll definitely right. talk about some trance. That, that's that's my if all the genre. That's my heart. Paul Van Dyke is numero uno. Yeah, I can do that. Awesome. And it's DJBFunk.com. Uh, BFunk.com. Yep. No dashes or anything. Just all all letters. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. And this has been the Passion DJ Podcast. Peace. Just look at us. Okay. Whoever you're talking to is fine. Okay. Make sure you don't blink. Pretend it's not there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, look at me. <laughs> <laughs>
crouched down in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> you got a phone book? Do I talk that low? Low. Quietly? Yeah. I do? Oh, wow. Yeah, usually. You're the reason we got the headsets, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I could help the team out. That's right. Uh. <laughs>